The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. Support your healthy CoQ10 levels and blood pressure with two chews a day. Visit RadioBeatsBeets.com and save 15% with promo code DEAL. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Ladies and gentlemen, on behalf of the California Angels and the city of Los Angeles, on the occasion of Her Majesty's royal visit, please welcome internationally renowned opera star Enrico Palazzo. Yes, he's in the intensive care ward at Our Lady of the Worthless Miracle. Utah, give me two. We are running today. Without our fearless leader, Michael Gauvier, but it is Big Gentle Ben, Ben Chase. And today we have a special guest in Drew Wheeler, and uh, we are going to talk about the two systems down in Florida. Uh, We're not going to talk about anything else having to do with Florida. So if you're here for Florida politics, I'm sorry, that is not happening today. Yeah, I got Um, nothing. (laughs) I got nothing. Yeah, no, and and that's day job stuff that I'm just not going to get into. Uh, But, Drew, before we get into anything, I would sure like to have folks kind of get to know a little bit about you if they don't already. Tell folks a little bit about what it is that they might know you for, and if they don't know you for, how it is that they can get to know you and what they can start reading about you once they get done here. Very polite. Thank you so much. Uh, well, if you don't know me, my name is Drew Wheeler. I am a uh, dynasty writer and podcast host for Prospects Live. Uh, you can find all of my work uh, at our Patreon. It is uh, the Prospects Live Patreon. It uh, obviously speaks for itself because our team is tremendous. I like to say that being that I am the least of our team, you know that the quality is uh, absolutely tremendous because I can, I can you know make something happen every so often. But uh, yeah, I mean, obviously our scouting team is tremendous. Our dynasty team is tremendous. Uh, we've got amazing things for you guys uh, at our Patreon. I myself, uh, you might have read my work at SP Streamer whenever that site was still in operation. Did some prospect and dynasty work there. I uh, love players from Japan. Seiya Suzuki is probably my favorite player in the MLB right now. Um, I really got into uh, to writing about those players, really into writing about FYPD. Got some FYPD uh, tidbits I'd love to share with you guys here later on today. Love baseball, love drinking milk, love my family, love my dogs, and love talking to good folks like Ben. So I uh, hope that you have a good time uh, good time uh, chatting with us today. And if you are interested for whatever reason in following me, you may do so right there at that link on Twitter. Drew is okay is the Twitter. All right. Now, Drew, if I understand correctly, you did all right in the some of the expert leagues you were part of this last year. Am I am I not mistaken? I uh, I was uh, very fortunate to get to participate in some expert leagues last year. Yes, sir. And um, yeah, I I was thrilled. Uh, 
tickled to be able to do so well. Thank you for bringing that up. I, I don't mention it a lot because it feels very uh, <laughs> uh, braggy, I guess you'd say. Well, I, I do happen to remember catching one of uh, James Anderson's uh, podcasts, and he talked about at that time you were one of the top scorers in the league that he was yeah. in at that time. So that's that's how I remembered that off the top of my head. That's Thanks. all. So. Yeah, uh, TGFBI. We, uh, so James had a lot of us on. Uh, Michael Richards, who actually won TGFBI this last year, um, he was on uh, Drew Sperling, myself, and James, and we drafted prospects for, um, I want to say it was a, uh, like, the purposes of draft and hold for this season. And uh, ended up mm-hmm. finishing 46th in TGFBI, which is, you know, top 10%. I was very, very tickled. Obviously, just honored to play after following it for so many years. And so, uh, thank you so much for bringing that up. I, I still yeah. feel like a bragger <laughs> even talking about it. Yeah. <laughs> hey. You know, top ten percent in those type of leagues—that's that's pretty darn good. So, Thanks, bud. <laughs> you know, you take that. Thank you. So, let's get right into it. And Drew, I'm going to have you kick us off with, sure. and we'll we'll start off with the Marlins because, you know, frankly, they're the one who maybe has been the most, I guess, active, publicly active in the last few weeks. Um, and give us your top three from the Marlins system. Okay, so my top three players in the Marlins system, uh, I'll go ahead and spoil it. It's actually pitchers, and they're all pitchers. Uh, may not come as a surprise if you followed the Marlins and their prospect system, their development pipeline for a while. They develop pitchers extremely well if you've been living under a rock, though. Uh, number one, pretty obviously, Yuri Perez. Uh, number two, uh, Jake Eater. I am maybe the world's biggest fan of Jake Eater. think he's tremendous. And number three, Max Meyer. Uh that's my top three. I'd love to know yours, Ben. And I'm going to agree with you on two of those, Yuri Perez and Max Meyer. And I am maybe, uh, I will tell you, I don't know if there is a Max Meyer baseball card that has been made that I do not own. Uh, I, You can maybe see him behind me. I have a little gopher on the wall. I am a University of Minnesota oh, alum. Oh, didn't know that. And I had a chance to get to know Max a little bit before uh, he was drafted and actually knew that he was going to the Marlins before he was selected by the Marlins because I had a little Epic. birdie tell me that. So, That's but so he's cool. huge, huge, huge fan of of Max. He is just a really, really good ball player. Um, tremendous athlete. You know, that's one of those things when you're six foot tall and you throw a, a slider the way he does. You kind of have to be. If you throw a hundred miles an hour, you kind of have to be an amazing athlete to be able to survive. We did kind of see, no matter how good an athlete you are, things happen to an arm when you throw 100 miles an hour. You know, it, it just does happen. Was um, it, wasn't Max a two-way third, player as well? Yeah, yep, and a very good one at that. Um, but my third guy, and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get into Eater in just a bit here, but my third guy is Dax Fulton, um, who's also a pitcher, um, a high school draftee that they got in the same draft as Eater and uh, Meyer. And I just, I love what he did last year. Uh, He was a high school pick in that draft. And for my money, one of the best high school arms going into that draft, but he was just, he was one of those guys where I don't, he's six foot seven and guys on this, on this podcast have, have heard me kind of rant and rave about guys that once you get over about six, five, six, six, there's a lot of the, the levers getting long. 
and consistency issues. And it's a really unique guy that can bring all that together. And boy, I really like what you saw out of Fulton this year, as far as the consistency in his delivery. Now, he did it in a ball. Let's see if he can keep doing it once he gets into the upper minors and keep that up. But you saw 150 strikeouts in less than 120 innings. And when you've got the stuff he does and you consistently locate it, you're going to generate that from the left-hand side. And that's going to be the thing. And and one of the things to note is a lot of these big arms that they're developing right now in their system are from the right-hand side. They're going to need a, some lefties that, to, to accompany that. And if Fulton can be that guy, that's going to be a big part for their rotation. So that's my other one in the top three. Let's kick into the next three because I think that's where there's going to be some fun talk here. And, you know, of course, for me, uh, and I'll kick that off, Eater for me is definitely one, uh, and we can get into some discussion on him. For me, Yiddy Cappy is definitely another one. Uh, love him. He is, you know, and, and I'm sure we're going to have some discussion because in, in the uh, if, if we go and get into the Discord that we have for the Palazzo podcast, there is a big discussion about a player we're going to talk about in the Rays system in Junior uh, Caminero and Yiddy Cappy and comparing the two of them. And there's been some back and forth. Hmm. And uh, going into the offseason, I told somebody that I would keep Cappy over Caminero. And hmm. uh, I don't know that I would change that opinion right now for overall but boy Caminero's looked great in the in Australia and you can't go wrong with either one of them but that's just anyway and then the third guy I think I I feel like you kind of have to talk about when you talk about this Marlin system right now yeah is their first round pick last year Jacob Berry absolutely because he is when you spend a first round pick on a guy who has the pedigree, like he had, I mean, he was considered one of the best college hitters in the nation last year. Yeah. And he kind of fell on his face in his pro debut debut. He, he just didn't look like he was ready for pro pitching. And there's going to be concerns whenever you have that kind of a debut coming out. And there was already some concerns when he was drafted, is he going to have issues controlling the strike zone? Is the power going to be able to play up against, you know, quality pitching when he gets to that major league type pitching? Right. And lo and behold, he had some struggles. So, I mean, th- those are my next three. And, a, you know, the big reason I brought up Barry is because of that. Um, just because I think you kind of have to talk about him yeah. in this system because you got to talk about a bat. And you got to talk about a bat that can be close because Cappy's as good as I like, as much as I like Cappy, he is a teenager that they're going to develop slowly. I mean, he's going, you know, he's going to be, he's not going to probably hit, he's not going to be on the Yuri Perez track. Yeah. You know, he's going to be a guy that'll see double A maybe by the end of 2024, but most likely that's going to be the soonest. And that's smart. You know, that's just it. And so Jacob Berry could see double A this year if he turns things around and plays well coming into the year and really hits. So you, know, you know, with Berry specifically, 
Yeah, with you, with you there. I think that double A is not out of the question for Barry. I mean, I know that kind of when he came in stumbling, it was, you know, the hot take was, you know, ah, this guy's such a lauded hit tool, whatever. That's not necessarily true, though. I mean, looking at the line as a complete thing and, you know, letting his tools adjust, letting his mind adjust, the kid was just taken and like he's living a dream at this point. There's a lot of that psychological stuff that's it's got to affect you. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't ever hear it, but it has to. I mean, his final slash line at A ball, 264, 358, 392. Obviously, 264 in A ball is not ideal, but it's far from the 120 he was batting, uh, you know, early on. And I yeah. think the 392 uh, slug is obviously going to go up. I think that this is a kid whose who's hit tool, I would say, is exceptional. I don't want to put a grade on it. That's, you know, that's for scouts. I've, I, you know, we've got plenty of great scouts on there. I ain't one of them. I, what I see is an exceptional hit tool. Uh, it's definitely above average power, and he's not a slouch on the base paths. I think that if you're going to target um, certainly a bounce back, as, as bizarre as a statement as that could be after, you know, not even a full season in the minors, Barry's a great shout because he was an absolute stud for LSU and for Arizona before that. And I think that if you squint long-term, a Kyle Schwarber-ish outcome is not out of the question for Jacob Berry. Somebody that can mash has decent enough. And I'll say pre-peak Schwarber, Chicago Schwarber, not my Philly Schwarber where it's, you know, a 230 average and 40 bombs. But, I mean, five home runs – or, sorry, five stolen bases, 20 home runs, 250 average in the majors is not outside the question. Obviously, as Ben alluded to, though, he's got a hit to get there. And the other big question is going to always be with him, where's the defense end up? Because you, he's he was a questionable third baseman. He didn't do anything to dissuade that. You know, the, the third base was rocky. Yeah. Um, in his pro debut, he played a lot. I mean, a third of his games were in DH, you know, and there's a reason for that. You know, they're just trying to get the bat in the lineup to get him yeah. some pro experience. You know, he's he's got the bat. You know, there's no doubt that he's going to be a bat-led prospect. Certainly. You know, Schwarber was. There's a good, you know, great example. Schwarber was definitely a bat-led prospect. He was drafted as a catcher, for God's sakes. Right. You know, you know, but he is a switch hitter. And, you know, and that's one thing. He's going to be on the field every game if he can get there. And that's one thing you got to be confident with. So, Drew, who are your next three with the Marlins system? You bet. Uh, so, Jacob Berry actually was the number one of my next three. Uh, and it's good that we kind of got him swept out of the way. Uh, my, my other two, um, I have a little bit of uh, bounce back and a lot of upside. So, my number, uh, I guess, five, number two of my next three is Sixto Sanchez. I'm not ready to yeah. give up on him. A ton of arm talent, but it's also buried underneath a ton of injuries. Um, most recently, it's uh, shoulder surgery. It's, uh, what is it, arthroscopic bursectomy or some nonsense? Insert medical jargon. Uh, the problem yeah. with him is that the fastball is super fast, but it's flat. So if, if you throw in something that people can hit, they're going to smash it. The good thing for Sixto is that his uh, secondaries, that slider is just terrific. Uh, Two-playing break, uh, nasty, nasty stuff. Change-up's good. I think a healthy, in shape, like if, if Sixto comes to camp looking like Drew Wheeler, maybe in trouble. But if he comes in looking like Sixto Sanchez, you know, he could be a mid-rotation guy, and that's a welcome outcome. I, I don't know. 
um, if you if you've seen this, but people, uh, you know, uh, casual fans of prospects seem to think that if it's not SP one, then it's not a, a worthy prospect. And SP three is a and great player to have, and Sanchez can Absolutely. still be that. And uh, the the third guy on my list is Jose Gerardo, uh, who is just raked oh. in the DSL. Um, and I yeah. love DSL dudes. Got really into them uh, to try to add kind of another uh, realm to my game for the our subscribers at Prospect Live. Uh, real quick, I'll read you his slash line: 284, 417, 551 slug, ISO of two sixty seven, eleven homers, eighteen steals. The problem here is that he swings at literally everything. The guy's got a thirty percent K rate and a thirty six percent swing strike rate. Uh, Juicy Jensen, what's up, Juice? At home. Uh, there's tons of swing and miss is what Juice told me. And, I mean, the, the stats mm-hmm. back it up. Uh, however, that said, he's got potential to be an X factor um, on the field. And, uh, I, you know, I, I like Gerardo, especially in the – like you said, you need bats in this pro in this uh, system. And Gerardo, man, put a star by him if you're at home. And I had somebody actually ask me about him in, in the uh, – you know, in our Discord. Yeah. Uh, somebody had private messaged me about him. And I did say, you know – when you look at his stat line and look at his month by month, the one thing that kind of sticks out is he hit 10 of those in one month, 10 of those home runs in one month. Um, So as a DSL guy, uh, you know, I, I do a huge Braves list every year, you know, hundred, hundred Braves prospect I, I rank. And so, you know, I get deep into their system. So I have a guy that's lived and worked out. He doesn't actually work for the Braves anymore, but for years he worked for the Braves doing DSL coverage and scouting and things like that for them. And still he lives down there. And so I get a hold of him and I say, you know, who do I need to know? And he just, he kind of casually goes to their games now. And um, that was a name he brought up. He said, guy, when he hits it, it goes. And you know, that, that was literally his words. He hits it, it goes doesn't hit He's it not wrong <laughs> and you know those He's there are wrong. a lot of you know when you hear those guys you pay attention to those guys because if those guys can work on that hit tool which that is the toughest tool to develop and there is no de- debating that but finding light tower power is not exactly an easy thing to find either and so if you find that guy and he can make you know for one thing, if he can get on base at a 350 level and hit 200, I mean, a Joey Gallo line, and he can knock the ball, ever-loving yeah. stuff out of the ball when he does hit it, yeah. there's going to be a spot for him. Because yeah. he's not a nothing athlete. That's the other thing that, from everywhere you hear, he's not a nothing athlete. He can go get the ball, and, you know, that's the thing that I'm hearing from him. So, yeah, that, that's a great call-out. I love Gerardo as a call-out. So, I do want to talk about... Um, you know, I I don't have the ability to pull in comments here, but Chad did mention uh, that Miami could use a true inning eater and in trying to play off of the Jake Eater line. Um, Good one, Chad. Jake Eater is one of my favorite guys. That 2020 draft could turn out to be a really good draft for Miami. Oh, yeah. And, you know, there are some teams that just hit that draft really well. And, you know, I'm a, you know, I'll bring up the, the Braves hit that draft really well. Strider is going to end up coming out of that draft. You know, they got Bryce Elder out of that draft. They, they're they going to do very, very well in that draft. Sure. Schuster, you know, they ended up trading from that draft and got Matt Olson. That's going to be a stinking good draft for them. Yeah. But Eater is a fourth-round pick for them out of Vanderbilt mm. in that draft. Yeah. And that was, I think, if he gets a full season at Vanderbilt with all the 
publicity that Vanderbilt gets in that year, that's a probably at least a second round pick. Without a doubt. Because, I mean, just he was looking so good that year. And then he comes out and what he's done as a pro is just absolutely freaking ridiculous. I mean, he's only pitched in double A to a 177 ERA so far. Sub one as a whip. pro. Sub one whip, 99 strikeouts and 71 innings. Holy crap. And and, <laughs> and what, kills me, what kills me, Ben, is that people still don't put the respect on this guy's name that he deserves. Like, yeah, granted, oh. he blew his arm totally out. Okay, waha, Tommy John. Who hadn't had Tommy John? Ben, if you had Tommy John, I had like six last year. The point is, is that yeah. Eater <laughs> is electric. And this is a guy that you can get dirt cheap practically, unless you're in a league with me or oh, Ben, yeah. I guess. Ben, I guess. Sorry, I pointed the wrong way, Ben. But yeah. you can get this dirt cheap. And this was a guy that was trending towards top 50 prospect status based upon 15 starts. And this isn't just twiddly three inning deals. This is like five innings pitched a piece. And you, you alluded to it a minute ago. Had he been a starter at Vanderbilt, whose rotation was just an embarrassment of riches. And so you bring a guy like Mm -hmm. Eater out of the bullpen and uh, obviously he had success. Obviously his control was able to be a little more wild. So I think that that kind of gave him an unfair control kind of deal uh, bugaboo, so to say, but once he was the, the leash was taken off and the uh, the blockade was removed, Eater just ran and ran and ran and ran until he blew his arm out. This is a dude that I mean, this year is huge for him. He's going to be twenty four. He has to make this is a make or break year for his development because I mean, at this point, I mean, what'd you say a minute ago? Fulton's twenty twenty one. Uh. In that yeah, in that range, Cer- right. certainly yeah. younger. Yeah. I mean, Yuri Perez, 20, 21 as well. Meyer is even younger than Eater. They have guys, and that's not to mention yeah. the guys that are you know in the pros. It's a it's a huge year for Eater, but I'm not I'm not saying he's not a starter, and I'm in, I'm invested everywhere possible, investing further. And if if you hear one thing I say on this podcast, listeners, invest in Jake Eater, please. And like we mentioned before. With Fulton, he's a lefty, oh, and he's yeah. one of few lefties that they have, and they're going to need that rotational balance as they start to finally get all these guys up to the rotation. They're going to need that lefty in the rotation. There's a lefty. Yeah. So there you go. All right. So now we go into the Rays, and we only get to each choose six, and I think we could each – probably do that about five times over with the Rays deep and system. probably not even it's a deep system and it has been for many years now one of the things that you often hear is people say that anything the Rays touch turns to gold now that I I, I would have some points of contention with but Agreed. they always seem to have a lot of guys that are at least interesting certainly um hey Ben and so before yeah. we really dive into players, can we agree to something really quick? Yeah. I, I'm i of the opinion, and maybe you differ from this, but I think it would be a good ground rule for us here because I love talking about the players that we've got, and I, I know your list in advance. I know you don't know mine, but I love these guys. One note that comes up all the time with teams like Dodgers and Rays is that there's log jams. So obviously there's going to be questions about where does this guy play if this guy's healthy and where does this guy blah, 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 where does he slot in? Talent plays. Just just trust us that the mm-hmm. talent is there. Please, like, let, it'll all work out. The Rays also, do you know what else they do? Trade a lot. So, I mean, it'll work out. 
can uh, you're on you're on board with that, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. And please, that's, please proceed. I'm I sorry mean, to interrupt. <laughs> yeah, and this is great team. I mean, frankly, look at the Yankees. Yankees develop pitching like right. very few teams do. And what did they do last year in order to enhance their team exactly. to try to make a run? They exactly. traded away so much pitching that the A's now have a rotation. <laughs> um, I mean, that's really, I mean, that's really what how the A's have a rotation um, is to to acquire two pitchers. The Yankees sub, you know, gave them their 2023 rotation, right. um, and that's that's really what it is. And that's but the Yankees have that much depth that they can go out and get Andrew Benintendi and. You know, Montes, Frankie Montas yeah. and a reliever, and they can give up, you know, seven guys, yeah. and it really doesn't hurt their depth. And that's the Rays can do the same thing when they're willing to, when they're able to, when it fits in, you know, their finances, all that stuff. That's what they do. Yeah. And that's when when a guy gets expensive, when a Kiermeyer gets expensive, they got another guy ready to plug in. Yeah. And that's how they work it. Um, so I'm gonna start off on the top guys here with this system when we'll float that way. And for me, Curtis Mead is just a beautiful prospect. I've loved him since he was with the Philly system. I yes. think that might be one that they regret for a while. Yeah. Um, Taj Bradley is one that I've watched since he was uh, in the now defunct um, app league. But, boy, he was a fun pitcher to watch in that league. Um, and then Kyle Manzardo is my, my other one in my top three. My top three is the same, just in a different order. I have Manzardo, Mead, okay. and Bradley. So uh, I'd love to talk about talk about those dudes as much as uh, as much as you'd like to. I think that ironically, Mead was your number one. Is that right? I have the most notes on yeah. Mead, so maybe I need to reevaluate my ranks. <laughs> I I am curious. Just um, you know, as I'm looking at their roster right now, and I know. If you go and look at what roster re- resource and you know, and that's always, you know, pick and choose how much you want to believe great, what great roster resource kind of thing, but still, yeah. it's a good resource. No pun intended. But uh, what they have currently listed for first base for the Rays is Jonathan Aranda, with in a platoon with Isaac Paredes. Now, if do you really want to tell me that those two are going to hold off Kyle Manzardo if he comes in to the season and rakes for two weeks, three weeks? Or heck, if he comes into spring and he rakes and hits 450 in spring, you know, with five, ten bombs that are just out of the ballpark, that they're going to be able to hold him down? No. Why would they? I just, I mean, that that just makes no sense. And that's that's where you come with, you know, anyone in a log jam, no, that's not going to be a log jam. That is, that'll clear up in a darn hurry because performance will play. Absolutely. There is where performance will play. And same thing, you know, yeah, they may have guys ahead of, of Mead. I mean, <clears throat> Brandon Lowe has played plenty of outfield. Sure. He could move to the outfield and Mead would move in at second base real nice and easy. Yandy Diaz can play some DH. You know, they can move guys around and move Curtis Mead up to the major leagues if he shows that he's ready for that spot. That is not going to be a major issue for the Rays to get those guys up to the league. So, um, and 
trust me, they don't have any issue moving guys around positions. That's Truth. never been an issue for the Rays. Truth. For some reason, except for Wander. Wander has kind of stayed at short and not gone anywhere but short, which has kind of been an interesting thing with that organization because they'll do it with everyone but him. That is interesting. So, looking at looking at their uh, roster resources as well with you right now, I just got it pulled up. Um, I mean, you go down the list, and I mean, I'm I, who am I to poo-poo Jonathan Aranda or Isaac Paredes? Because, I mean, those are both guys that are interesting. I mean, Aranda was a top 100-ish prospect in our October top 500. I imagine he'll go down when we uh, update that in February. Uh, Paredes is a guy that I think amongst our staff we're pretty into, but, I mean, it's all it's all relative. Manzardo and Mead are both guys that blow those dudes out of the water in terms of potential upside. And then the same can be said oh, for, yeah. I mean, D.H. Harold Ramirez. Like, I, I like Harold Ramirez. He's a fine player. But, again, he's – I mean, you have upside versus – it's just all about perspective, I guess, is what I'm getting at with that. So, yeah, I think that, um, you know, Yandi DHing some and Ramirez chilling on the bench some and Paredes and Aranda kind of figuring out their deal. And I, I don't know, talent plays. And that's kind of the, the key takeaway that I would recommend to listeners here for this portion of uh, of the show. And I don't know if you noticed it, Ben, but uh, Chad just a second ago on the comments, he said, he agrees, but it hasn't necessarily worked out with Ray's prospects because we've said that line with Bruhan, Edwards, uh, Lowe, and several others. And um, I'll speak to that just super quickly and say that that's obviously mm-hmm. a good point, Chad. You make a good point. Um, I would I would assert though that my belief personally, and of course this is you you don't know me, Chad. I'm just Josh Mode Rando, but my belief and what I've seen of Manzardo and me both. Uh, ex- exceeds everything I believed or saw for Bruhan, Edwards, or Lowe. Either Lowe, matter of fact. And, I mean, God love Nate yeah. Lowe. I'm glad he broke out because he had tons of talent. But, uh, yeah, Josh, specifically Lowe, I'm... Did you know that we sold out and we now have advertisements? Yeah, we've gone mainstream. We're getting $6. That's right. We've made 6 bucks so far. Can you believe it? What a dream come true, $6. Anyways, I wanted to give you some preparation, some time to be cognizant that a commercial is coming your way. I'm not just going to throw a commercial mid-sentence on you. I wouldn't do that. I respect you, and I know that's annoying. So here's a countdown for the upcoming advertisement from Starbucks or Spectrum, Comcast, Apple, who the hell knows. Three, a two, one. With the McDonald's app, you can get your favorite thing delivered to your door. So if you were looking for a reason to skip washing those dishes you left in the sink, consider this a sign. Right now, get $0 delivery fee with any purchase of $15 or more, only in the app. At participating McDonald's, minimum purchase excludes tax and service fees. Delivery prices may be higher than in restaurants. Other fees may apply, not valid with any other offer, discount, or coupon. I mean, yeah. Manzardo right now, what he did this year is peak Nate Lowe in the minors. Absolutely. Like, absolute. The best week that Nate Lowe had on minors is what, Kyle Manzardo just did for a full, full season. season. Like that's that's what the ridiculous end of it is. Is it's hard to compare those two because <laughs> right. Nate Lowe. I mean, I loved Nate Lowe coming up, but he he is not that same guy. He's he just isn't. And and look at what he has done as a breakout now. And that's what you got to compare. So 
let's let's go on to your next three then. You sure. know, we both agree on the top three. Let's go into the next three. Absolutely. Uh, so my next three in order, and if you want me to go into any detail or uh, the comments, have any guys they want to hear about, or you, Ben, want to hear about somebody specifically, I'd love to talk about mm-hmm. them. Um, number one on my next three, I have Mason Montgomery, 22-year-old left-handed pitcher. Oh, yeah. Love this kid. Uh, number two, I have Junior Caminero, who we discussed briefly a moment ago, a 19-year-old, obviously, corner-type guy. And the number three, I've got one of my favorite deep cuts in all of FYPD land, Ryan Cermak, outfielder, 21 mm. years old. That's a good one from first-year player draft. And Thank folks you. that are getting into your first-year player draft as you're getting into the later rounds of that, well, not even so much later rounds, but definitely middle rounds of your first-year player draft. That's a guy to know. Um, and we'll come back. For sure, I know Caminero is one that folks are going to want to talk about. I'd love Montgomery to hear what you got on uh, Caminero for sure, man. I'd love to hear what you got. Because you, you mentioned y'all discuss him a lot in your Discord. Is that right? We've talked about him. And I am a I'm a huge fan of the Australian League. Nice. And I have been for a while. I watch. I, I love watching off-season leagues. The Dominican, the Venezuela. When any, whenever I can find video of these leagues, I I. I'm a baseball nut. I love to watch these leagues, but nice. <laughs> the Australian has great league, great has a really good video league, but it's on at hours that really don't work for most of us in the United States. So you go and you watch the replay of it. And so the great part about that is you can then fast forward and, um, Caminero, he reminds me physically a lot of, you know, somebody brought up, a comp for Estuary Ruiz of Emilio Bonifacio, kind of that roly-poly guy, but he really runs fast. And how the heck does he run fast the way that he's built? Perpetual motion. And yeah, (laughs) Junior Caminero has a similar build that he's not tall and he's kind of rotund, but he's not a bad athlete. I mean, he's, he's a pretty darn good athlete at the size that he is. I mean, he's, I would be surprised if he's six foot tall. I mean, That's just awesome. standing on the field with <laughs> everyone that he is. But, you know, and, you know, who am I to talk about somebody's weight? But at the same time, me. I, it, it, it wouldn't be surprising to me at all if he's a solid two and a quarter, you know, and not all of it great weight. So, I mean, there's, he's definitely a corner guy at this point, but. I think from what I saw in Aussie stuff that are in the Aussie league that he can stick at third. I mean, for sure the hands are good enough. Um, you don't see it's tough down there because the, just the way the fields seem to play. And I, I've watched the league enough over the years, the fields seem to play pretty quick. And so a lot of times a sharp grounder to third, the guy's out. He's right. almost always going to be out because the infield plays quick enough to where the third baseman's going to get the ball, have plenty of time to deliver a strike over to first. And I don't know that I any of the games I watch, I watch him come in on a ball and have to make that throw. And that's probably the toughest throw that a third baseman has to make, and it's going to show his arm strength. That's the throw that if he's going to stick at third, he's got to be able to make is when he's running in, grabbing that bunt and wheeling it to third on the run Mm -hmm. or reeling it to first on the run. That's what he's got to be able to make. We'll see. And if he can make that throw, 
great. If not, he moves to second or he, I mean, he ends up at first or left field, whatever. The bat is really playing. And I'm, I got to say that bat has come a long ways and it's quick. It's quick through the zone. I don't know if it's going to generate the kind of power that it has down there because pitching is obviously significantly better. It's like going through the AFL and putting up a 600 slush sure, because, right. you know, this year's AFL, if you put up 600 slug against Emmett Sheehan and, you know, Mason Miller, yeah, you did something there. But, you know, you put up a 600 slug against 90% of the AFL this year, you really didn't do a whole lot. Sure. Um, and that's kind of the Australian league is there's some guys who had some major league potential or were major leaguers that play in the Aussie league every year, but not a ton. Right. And that's what he's kind of running into. And I love him for that potential. Now for me, he's definitely on that list for me. Mason hour is another one that I have on there. Guy got to AFL this year. He had a huge breakout year. I really like him as a table setter type of guy. Um, I don't know if there's ever going to be 20 home runs in that bat. Heck, there might not be double digits in the major leagues. But he's the type of guy who likes who. I mean, he's not a slap and Judy type of hitter. He's just he's just the type of guy that finds gaps really really sure. well. Sure, and he's got I mean it's good line drive type of power. And the other one that. I'm really going to have fun watching and seeing how he comes back this year is Cole Wilcox. And one of the more fun college pitchers to watch. And then ended up, he's really kind of had a two-year disappearing act because of injury, which, you know, frankly, a lot of guys have had that where they've had other things come up and it's taken them two years to come back after Tommy John because of other things interfering. So we don't, a lot of folks have just kind of written him off and for, frankly forgotten about who he is and how stinking good he is when he's at his best. Because when he was at his best at Georgia, I don't know if there was a better pitcher in college baseball that year. In pure raw stuff. Sure. I mean, Wilcox is super, super impressive. Obviously, I have a soft spot for him because uh, of Diamonds in the Rough, you know, the uh, the podcast that Prospects Live mm-hmm. puts on that Cole hosts uh, with Nick Schnell, uh, you know, two, two Rays guys. Uh, great podcast, super interesting. Check it out, you know, on YouTube yep. later on, uh, guys. But Cole, I'd love to see him back on the mound and do what he did at Georgia. You're right. I mean, I'm a big SEC guy if I haven't made that clear. Um, so, yeah, I'm totally with you there. So what I want to bring up with you is a little bit on Montgomery, a little chat on Montgomery. And what do you, what do you see for him as far as ceiling? Cause I mean, he had, if you're talking pitcher breakouts statistically last year, mm-hmm. he's probably up there with maybe Gavin Williams is kind of, there, there's really, there's maybe just a handful of other guys who maybe had a bigger breakout season statistically than Mason Montgomery last year. Agreed. And, and I just don't think he gets the publicity that he really should after that kind of a year. And I don't know if it's because he's in the race system, if it's because he didn't have certain numbers that other people, that people really like to see. I mean, his strikeout rate wasn't 40%, right. you know, or whatever it was, but 
he just did so many things well that it was really hard not to watch him when you when you start watching one of his starts i just couldn't stop it yeah you know i it was you ended up watching the whole stinking thing definitely uh so i'd love to tell you what i see in montgomery real quick i'd love to touch back on camonero super quickly just to kind of uh, mm-hmm. Give listeners an, an, a little brief insight to something we offer at Prospects Live. Uh, we have different tools. Uh, one of our favorite tools is our hitter comp tool. I ran Junior Caminero's season through our hitter comp tool, and this is going to return uh, matches on a 0 to 100 scale, 100 being an exact match of uh, statistical uh, similarity. Uh, and this is going to find a player from the last 15 seasons at that level and at his age. The number one returned match for Junior Caminero was Jorge Polanco at a 93% match. That's a great big league outcome for him. Their lines at the complex level, incredibly close. I'd say Polanco's power, at least measured by like ISO and home runs, uh, is higher. And I don't know that you alluded to it. Caminero may never get to that exact level of power, but his speed Mm -hmm. is so much better than Polanco's at that level. So I think that if he even balances out to kind of be more of a across the board contributor, but your baseline expectation being Jorge Polanco, I think is really impressive. Wanted to throw that out about one of those cool tools that we've got at Prospects Live. Uh, another cool tool that I'll tell you about that we have um, is our data-driven rankings. And these are rankings that we have using StatCast data, uh, which is not publicly available. And we have that uh, for the minor leagues. And uh, Tieran Alexander was gracious enough to uh, rank and compile these. So, uh, Ben, were you aware that Mason Montgomery's data-driven season in 2022 ranks 10th throughout the minor leagues above luminaries such as D.L. Hall, Chase Silseth, Brian Bayo, Nick Nestrini, Ken Waldachuk, Gordon Graceffo, Brandon Fatt, and most interestingly, Taj Bradley. Uh, Montgomery, like you said, humongous breakout, incredible talent. Mm -hmm. Uh, He throws his stuff in the zone, gets whiffs on it. Uh, ground ball stuff. He, he, he's smart. Uh, like you said, strikeout numbers are not gaudy, but they're impressive enough. They will work. And as he ages and matures and learns his arsenal better, I like to think that he's got an uptick in uh, K rate coming. And uh, knowing again that he's throwing his stuff in the zone, that he's not walking a ton of batters. This looks like a, a guy that has good understanding, good feel for command and control of his pitches and will just blossom as he continues to develop. And yeah, again, another guy that is just dirt cheap. And, you know, he came up to, to double a hit kind of a little bit of a bump. Sure. And, and mind you, at that point, the Rays, I don't, I'm looking here. I'm looking through his game log. He had not exceeded five innings yet and this is kind of a raised plan they don't push their starters they don't push their pitchers and we know this but he had not done that uh at all for bowling green had not exceeded five innings he gets to double a and kind of hits a rough spot in his transition gives up three three runs in three straight starts and doesn't get out of the fifth inning but then goes on a run to end things and gets into this complete six innings twice in his last four starts and i mean you just saw that growth to finish out the year and it's really impressive to see i mean he got to that next level he had to do some adjusting but he did 
and he made that adjustment and then he succeeded and you know and that for me that's a huge part of prospecting is to watch a guy hit that failure point yeah. hit or at least hit that struggle point and then what do you do with it and he was able to overcome that and then push forward with it and that's going to be a big thing for him i mean i just he's one of those guys you know the rays pluck him out of the sixth round right <laughs> you know gosh right. darn it like they're too good at you this. know <laughs> you know pluck him out of the sixth round out of texas tech and you're just like well where do, how is it that they keep finding these guys and keep pulling this stuff off know. but you know and but he's he's really you know he just he did so well last year i really i think he is going to be a guy that if he I don't know that he's going to graduate this year, but I think he kind of has that perfect mix of everything to be a lefty 3-4, which is really valuable. Sure. You know, that lefty mid-rotation guy is really not someone you find very often. And that guy is going to have a job for a long, long time when you find a guy like that. So, Certainly. Um, since we're on the Rays, and, and one of the things that somebody, you know, they said, you know, Jesus is, uh, can we do the next 47 for the Rays? Yeah, I, and no, we are not going to go that <laughs> deep. Um, but I did want to get into a little bit here. When they do, you know, when we look at a system like the Rays, when you look at a system like, you know, you know, contrasting it to the Marlins, you know, the Marlins right now, they just traded away potentially their, you could say maybe their top rated hitting prospect in Jose Salas, um, depending on how you want to, uh, on who's doing the ranking, um, you know, depending on where you're ranking Jacob Berry, it's, it's probably one of those two guys probably, but, and they did it in order to get a, guy that let's just say I'm not entirely enthralled with as far as what he brings to a major league club. I'm not sure if, you know, in Luis Aires, but uh, he's the, the decisions that a team like Tampa would make <laughs> versus the decisions that you're being you know, so polite about this. I love it. I'm trying to, but the decisions versus a team like Tampa versus a team like Miami it starts not just at the major league level. It's not decisions like a trade that sends away Pablo Lopez for Luis Arias and also sends away a, a promising prospect. It's not those trades. It's those little trades like the Rays made that brought in Curtis Mead. Exactly. That brought in, I mean, folks may not know this, Junior Caminero was acquired when they had to make room on their 40 man, because they have so many prospects that Tobias Myers was going to be, they needed to protect him from the 40 man. And the Indians were like, Hey, we want that guy. So they said, well, how about you give us this, this guy, junior coming there, this guy, just dart at the wall kind of guy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. He turns into who he's become already. That's how that's their system. And that's, 
how you develop a system like this. It's the same thing. The Dodgers do the same darn thing. The Yankees have done the same thing for years where, oh, geez, we got all these guys that are going to go on the 40 man, you know, we're getting to a 40 man crunch. You got a DSL guy that we can acquire from you. You got a guy who's, you know, (laughs) complex league that we could get from you for this guy. That's about to, you know, be a 40 man crunch for us. And no, not all those guys hit. But if one out of the let's say you got to trade four of those, and one of them turns into a junior Comanero, especially that's huge. Yeah, especially when you consider this is roster chaff. Like you're talking forty, like forty man fringe guys, and you're flipping four of them for four DSL complex guys, as you said. I'll trade four four fringe big leaguers for one shot, one Comanero type upside every day. And fortunately for the Rays, they have the depth and the quality of system in which to do so. I'm with you, buddy. You made a great point there. So, I guess we don't have a whole lot of other <laughs> questions to go through. I mean, I was looking to see if we had other questions to bring up. I saw up. one uh, super early in the show, and I hope he's still watching. Jamie M. He was asking about Shintaro Fujinami for the uh, oh, Oakland yeah. Athletics. Um, I, I like Fuji- up your alley. I like Fujinami fine. Um, he's the best word I've ever come up with to describe him is mercurial. And if you're not familiar with the word, it means that he, like mercury, is so up and down, burns hot, freezes. You can never completely tell. This is a guy who, along with Shohei Otani, was expected to be the starting pitchers of a generation in Japan. And he's just not worked out that way. Fortunately, I think what he's needed is a new opportunity. A fresh start, so to say. And, I mean... <laughs> Like Ben alluded to earlier, when you're when your rotation in Oakland um, is fresh faces, you're not you're not the only sore thumb. You're one of a few. I think that he's going to have a decent leash. He's got stuff. He could get tons of strikeouts, but I mean, he's going to give up some home runs. He's going to have some wildness. Um, but there are far worse shouts you could do in uh, in a deeper league. I think Fujinami's interesting. He's gonna be fun to watch too. I mean, I, I don't. It may just be a me thing, but like, I love watching Shohei. Uh, Seiya Suzuki's again one of probably my favorite player in baseball. Um, I'm so excited to watch Kodai Senga. Wish he would have signed with any other team but the Mets. So, no, yeah, that's a whole other issue. Whole another thing. Yeah. Whole another thing. <laughs> Was there any other but, questions folks had? I'd love to uh, so, love to answer them. You know, looking at that Oakland rotation, I mean, you have Paul Blackburn, who's definitely locked in, going to be a starter after that. And, I mean, until just today, you could have said the same for Cole Irvin, but he was just flipped to the Orioles. And so, yeah, I yep. mean, like, really. And after that, it's, it's James Caprillion, who, you know, I think the I mentioned this in our in our Discord. The only reason you count him, him or Drew Roshinsky as guys that you're probably locking in is because they have – no options. So they've kind of got to stay on the team in sure. some capacity, but but then yeah, Fujinami, Waldachuk, Kyle Muller, you know, JP Sears, Sears in that same boat. I mean, yeah. I mean, there's there's dudes who have talent. Medina, yeah, Medina yeah. Uh, there's dudes that have I mean, talent and I think at least one of them will take a good forward step this year. If I had to bet, I'm going to put it on the chucker. Ken Waldachuk, love this guy. I loved Waldachuk yeah. for a minute. Um, Fujinami could be the dude. And another guy really super briefly, he's not a prospect by any means, but Drew Roshinsky, uh, he looks pretty good in the KBO. I haven't done as much research on him as I have the uh, NPB fellers, but um, Roshinsky's 
probably a deeper cut than Fujinami in your deep leagues, but not a not a bad shout. I mean, maybe I'll maybe I'll do some stuff on Roshensky, and if I do, I'll, you can follow me on Twitter. Maybe I'll. And, release it. You know, guys, you might want to keep an eye on is you know Mason Miller after his fall league. Yeah, you know he's he's going to be starting in Double A, and listening to that list, <laughs> he's probably got a pretty clear route if he does what he wants to do. That list does not inspire a ton of confidence, does it, Ben? Buckets. So, all right, guys. Well, we've we've gone way over our our thirty minutes, but I think we had a great chat here. Thank you very much, Drew. That we definitely got through plenty of uh, Marlins and Rays talk. Uh, And you guys should all be following Drew at Drew is okay, and that's spelled out okay, not the two letters. At so follow him on Twitter. Thank you. Uh, you can follow me, Ben Chase, at Big Gentle Ben. And we will be back next week where we'll actually have Prospects Live's founding father, Jeff Ponson. Oh, wow. Jeff's going to be on neat. We're going to close out the NL East with some Phillies and Blue Jays talk. And uh, so we're going to have, we're going to close out our NL East. And then after that, we're going to have some FYP love that for our last after that so we got a couple big weeks coming up here so tune back in we'll see you all next week see you everybody